Lord, it's hard to believe that uh, you, the King of Heaven, fulfilled the psalm we just heard and that you became a worm. Lord, forgive us uh, for treating this weekend with triviality and uh, for not giving it the kind of reflection that it so deserves. And uh, so, Lord, despite our uh, our hurried pace and um, our self-centeredness, Lord, I pray you would uh, speak to our hearts even now. In Christ's name, amen. Our passage from Luke 22. Uh, we'll read verses 39 to 46. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, and he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The word of the Lord. Uh, Good Friday is uh, the day that we remember Christ's crucifixion. And uh, it's really kind of an odd thing that we call it Good Friday, isn't it? I mean, it's good for us. It was pretty terrible for Jesus. Uh, it was uh, the worst day, not, that the, not just that Jesus ever had, but that anyone has ever had. And I really want to compare these last hours of his life to some famous uh, martyrs from church history. Uh, One is found in your Bible. It's found in Acts chapter 6 and 7. His name's Stephen. Uh, Stephen was uh, appointed as a deacon uh, in the beginning of Acts chapter 6 because the widows were distressed and they needed someone to give them attention and uh, to care for them. And so what the apostles did is they designated this, they created this new office called deacon. And they chose Stephen because he was full of wisdom and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And right after this, we we see that Stephen became opposed by religious leaders. And the religious leaders kind of stirred up some other people to join their crowd, and they put Stephen before trial. And when he's on trial and he's given his chance to speak, uh, he summarizes the Bible in a way that uh, really that nowhere else in Scripture we could find. Acts chapter 7, you see the whole story of redemption in a way that you just don't see it anywhere else. So it was eloquent. It was quite beautiful. And at the end of uh, as the, at the end of this, at the end of him giving the history of God's people, uh, he is stoned. People begin to cast stones at him, and you would think that he would be distressed. But something amazing happens. He says uh, he says this. Uh, he, he gazes into heaven. And he says, "Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God." And he says this, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Remarkable, isn't it? Uh, Stephen's staring down the barrel at death, yet he has this, uh, this rare fortitude about him. 
He's getting pelted with rocks, yet he's calm. This is Stephen. Uh, fast forward 1,400 years, and you come upon a, a name, uh, John Huss. Uh, John Huss is called an early reformer. He lived in Prague, and he really stood on the authority of the scriptures. You might say, well, what's so weird about that? Well, he was saying it was the scriptures alone. He's one of the first uh, people in church history to say this. Well, this was a big threat. It's a big threat to the church. It's a big threat to the state. And they ended up uh, executing him. He was imprisoned. He was stripped naked. And he was tied to a stake and he was burnt. And on the stake, here's what he prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, it is for thee that I patiently endure this cruel death. I pray thee to have mercy on my enemies. If you have Stephen, you have John Huss staring down at death with a calmness about him. We come to a woman. Her name's Margaret McLaughlin. She's a Scottish woman, you can tell her name, McLaughlin. And um, she was killed for refusing to confess loyalty to the king. She was with her friend, Margaret Wilson, and they were imprisoned, they were starved, and they were beaten. And then they were, they were tied to stakes that were shoved down into the sand on the shore at low tide. And the tide rose, and Margaret Wilson, she died. She literally, uh, she drowned while being tied to the stake. She was 68. The woman 50 years younger than her was Margaret McLaughlin, was next to her. And while her body uh, hanged there dead after drowning, the executioners are standing on the beach and they're saying to Margaret McLaughlin, what do you think of her now? And she responds, I see Christ wrestling there. You think we are sufferers. No, it is Christ in us. You can just imagine what happens with executioners. They, they're enraged. And here's this young woman, and they end up taking her off the stake. They pull her further up onto shore, and they give her one last chance to give allegiance to the king, and she wouldn't do it. But instead, she prayed, looking them in the eyes, and she said, Lord, give them repentance. Give them forgiveness and give them salvation, if it be thy holy will. And at those words, the soldiers, they flung her back into the waters, and she died a martyr at the age of 18. So here you have Stephen, you have John Huss, and you have Margaret McLaughlin. All unflinchingly resolute as they near the end of their life. See, they're unafraid of death. Somehow they were able to look beyond the pain of their impending death with joy. Take those three instances and compare them to the scene that we just read from Luke's gospel. Jesus, in his last hour, he's sweating blood. I've never sweat blood. I've never known anybody to sweat blood. And the reason we've never heard of anybody is that's very rare. The reason, uh, and it's called this sweating blood, this condition is called hematidrosis. And under the conditions of sweating blood, the reason it happens is because of great emotional distress. There's these tiny capillaries in your sweat glands that burst and then secrete this mixture of sweat and blood when you have hematidrosis. Uh, one study uh, found that the causative factor for this condition is acute fear. So here you have it. Jesus is sweating blood. He's literally scared to death of death. 
And this is the same Jesus, I don't know if you recall, but this is the same Jesus who was in the graveyard with a, a man who uh, was, couldn't be held down by chains. He was so strong. He was cutting himself. He was naked. He lived in a tomb. And yes, Jesus was not afraid of him. This is the same Jesus who at the end of a 40-day fast, he faced Satan without fear. This is the same Jesus who stood up to religious leaders, the most powerful people in the day, and called them fools, called them blind guides, and he called them hypocrites. This Jesus, this Jesus who has no fear, did all these things, but now we have him, and he's more afraid of death than all the martyrs we just read about. So, so what's happened to Jesus? What, what's made him change from a courageous leader to a man who's scared to death of death? How can martyrs like Stephen, Margaret McLaughlin, and John Huss be more brave than Jesus? The answer is that Jesus' death was infinitely more torturous than the drowning of Margaret McLaughlin, of the burning of John Huss, and of the stoning of Stephen. Infinitely more torturous. Because what Jesus, what he had to endure wasn't just the nails, wasn't just the whippings, wasn't just the humiliation, it was the wrath of God. You know, the wrath of God that we saw when, autumn, when Sodom and Gomorrah are completely decimated for, their, for being evil. The wrath of God that struck down Uzzah in an instance when he went to grab the Ark of the Covenant. The wrath of God that struck down Ananias and Sapphira for their deceit in the book of Acts. But Jesus has something that he endures the wrath of God, just like they did. But Jesus is very different than all these instances, isn't he? Jesus is innocent. Jesus hasn't committed this cosmic treason of rebellion against God. In fact, up to this point in his life, Jesus has never experienced anything close to what we would call the wrath of God for all eternity. All Jesus had ever known for all eternity is sweet fellowship with his Father. And now, right before we get to the cross, while he's sitting there in the garden, he's praying, he knows what's going to happen. His worst nightmare is going to become true. He's going to be rejected by his Father. It should be our worst nightmare too, shouldn't it? To experience the terrible displeasure of God should be the worst nightmare of every man, of every woman, and of every child. And it was so scary to Jesus that he sweat blood. But Jesus is innocent. This isn't his fault. It looks like that God the Father would be capricious. That he's, that he's laying out an unjust punishment on an innocent man. But this isn't the case, because Jesus was punished for sin. It just wasn't his. The sin for which Jesus died is yours, brother and sister. The sin that Jesus died for is the reason that we have come today and we're commemorating a man who died on a cross. And we call it Good Friday. And the reason it's good is because it is about your forgiveness.
Friend, Jesus endured the wrath of God that was coming for you. Jesus endured the wrath of God for your greed. And he endured it. The wrath of God that you deserve for your anger, he, des- he endured. The wrath of God that you deserve for your self-righteousness, he endured. The wrath of God that you deserve for your lustful ways, he endured. The wrath of God that you deserve for your obsession with respect of others, he endured. The wrath of God that you deserve for your idolatry of your children and your spouse, he endured. The wrath of God that you deserve for your inaction toward social justice, he endured. And it was hard for him. So hard for him that he sweat blood. But if you read the Gospels carefully, you'll see that Jesus is no victim, but that Jesus is marching himself to Calvary. See, Jesus isn't a martyr because Jesus put himself to death. He put himself to death for you. Does this surprise you? Does it perplex you? Do you find yourself somewhere in between curious and astounding that a holy God has loved you, a sinner? Does it blow your mind that Jesus, that God would give his most prized possession for you, a rebel? But the reality of what happened on Good Friday, it makes statements that we find in the scriptures true. Statements like this. God says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Church, Good Friday should cause us to see the costliness of our sin and the immensity of God's grace towards you as you long for Easter morning.